Welcome everybody to Digital Cowboys Video Games, episode 96, dated Saturday the 14th of March 2009. I'm your regular host Alex Shaw. I'm Tony Atkins. And we have no pull. Yeah. The show is going through some changes at the moment, people, including probably the biggest we've ever had in the form of one of our core trio of hosts, Paul, taking a break. So I'm going to read out his words on this matter for you now. This is an official announcement from Paul that he posted on our blog a few days ago, and it should pretty much cover everything. More observant listeners will have probably noticed that my presence on the show and blog has been somewhat low profile over the last few months. This is due to a number of reasons, most of which have nothing to do with digital cowboys, but are clearly impacting my ability to make a useful contribution to the show. As such, and after much discussion with Alex and Tony, I have decided to take a break from Digital Cowboys for a few months. I am delighted with the increase we have seen in the popularity of the show and blog, which is getting more and more hits every day, thanks to Alex and Tony's phenomenal efforts. But sadly, I'm not able to really match them at the moment. Not having much time to play video games beyond singing a few songs every other evening is not really the best position to be in for someone who's co-hosting a video game podcast. I'm also conscious of the increased emphasis being placed on written articles on the blog, and, well, to be perfectly honest, I'm not really much of a writer either. I will be back probably sometime after my holiday in Australia in May and will definitely be joining my fellow Cowboys for their journey to PAX in Seattle in early September. In the meantime, I will still be contributing to the show by helping to maintain the blog, something I've been doing since the beginning. So think of this as a temporary farewell rather than a long goodbye. Ciao for now, Paul Shotton. Right, within hours of him posting this, we'd have responses to this post. This one's from Stephen Jones. Sorry to hear that we'll be not hearing from you in a while, but life is like that, and as we all know, priorities are always in flux. We can only hope they flux back our way soon. Keep up the behind-the-scenes work, and looking forward to your inevitable return. And this one's from a long-time listener, Matthew Byatt. It's been nine months since I first started listening. During those nine months, I've thoroughly devoured and eaten every Digital Cowboys episode. Yes, eaten. Your digital goodness enriched my stomach uh, and in turn cultured my life and brain. Paul, you are responsible for a third of that. For that, I thank you. And when you return, you will come back a hundred times stronger. Of that, I'm sure. Goodbye and see you after your trip. Matty B. Which, well, that's lovely. Thank you, Matt. I feel like he's dead now, half of that. Yeah. He's not. He's fine. He's not dead. He's all right. He's kicking no, he, he just needs a bit of space. Um, and no, he's doing his own stuff, and he's so bogged down with work. Um, it's, it is hard. And it, you know, we've said this before, producing the show, um, putting it together, and, and getting everything all set up for you know a few hours worth of recording takes more than just a few hours worth of recording. It's a, a lot of time to actually put into you know time and effort. Okay, so Paul, you will definitely be missed, but uh, let's hope you come back soon. In the meantime, Tony and I are going to be absolutely carrying on with the show, stronger than ever, because um, from now on, well, both of us are really going to be playing the, the same games as much as possible so that we can have full parity on opinion on them on the show. So unless Tony wants to play an RTS, then I might have a bit of a problem. <laughs> what a red man, hey, was. Or oh. a golf game, or some sort of, I don't know... Um, <laughs> But, if it's action-adventure, you're on board then. Yeah, definitely. Action-adventure, okay. uh, yeah. 
Uh, anything after that, though? No, seriously. The main features this week, we're talking about Killzone 2, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, and Watchmen, all of which we've experienced. So uh, you, yeah, we'll have a full be able, be able to talk about that properly. Um, so, yeah, before we do that, I just want to mention A Life Well Wasted by Robert Ashley. It's... Um, he was on this week's Gamers with Jobs. Uh, he's more into the human interest stories behind the culture of video games than the games themselves. His podcast takes the form of a series of interviews with various colourful folk in the gaming scene, interspersed with his own narrated sound bites describing the scene. Um, it's difficult to describe it, Tony. I mean, you haven't heard this, uh, have you? You haven't heard no, I've yet to hear it, no. all Gamers with Jobs. That, well, listen to Gamers with Jobs first, because it's a really good introduction to who he is. Uh, it's difficult to say how to describe him. He's he's kind of like a beatnik in the way he talks. He's, he's 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 got this very kind of monotonous voice where he's like walking into the room. It's like I've died and gone to pinball heaven. And he got these sort of sounds of pinball machines in the background. And and he's uh, well in in episode one he talks about uh, the death of EGM and and there's you know various people from EGM and because they interview really well and he sort of just he lets them go for it it's it's mainly other people talking through the podcast and occasionally that he'll sort of intersperse it and he he comes across as someone who really isn't all that interested in video games at all but he is interested in the humans behind it now it I've got to give him props for making a different kind of podcast because it's it's not just like your standard roundtable like well us but um at the same time it, it, it's yeah it's, it's something different it's something good it's definitely not for everyone though i can guarantee if paul listened to this podcast he'd be out of there <laughs> in seconds he'd be like oh my god you I mean talking about waxing intellectual about video games it, it's terrifying but at the same time it's it's got its own style and uh, and it's it's quite thought-provoking so i can definitely recommend it it's called a life well wasted it's by robert ashley episode two is uh, on preserving video games and he's got this private collector who's got this gigantic collection of old games uh, he goes to the lucky juju pinball museum and uh, that's basically this, this place it's exactly like it sounds it's got 300 or so pinball machines in it and then there's a program at stanford university and he talks to the curator and it archives not only video games and programs but it also documents the uh, online live experiences that otherwise can't be saved as a static file so like for example last week's tabula rasa how are people in a hundred years going to know how tabula rasa worked because it was it was it was made by people and um you know ultimately you can't just sit down jump into the uh you know even if you did have the code you wouldn't know what it was like so it's it's all about how they're preserving this it's really interesting so uh yeah check it out i've talked for ages on it but yeah there you go a life well wasted. Right, let's go on to the news. Kotek calls for console price cut. Bobby Kotek, uh, his CEO of Activision, someone we've mentioned before, he was the one who said, we like to call it Guitar Hero World Tour when uh, challenged on that this was the first game that could use both guitar, drums, and a microphone. So, yeah, he's uh, he's dropped his latest clang. Well, it's, just, it's, it's not that bad. It's, it's He's calling for a console price cut. He's saying that 299 is not a realistic uh, price for a game system, and you've got to you know bring it down to 199 I think he's talking about the PlayStation 3 here. He doesn't actually say it by 
my name, but yeah. 299 is not a mass market price tag. It's just a drop in hardware prices but improved software sales. Well, no shit, Sherlock. It's, it's, it's been on Sony's mind. They don't really need the CEO of Activision to say it. He's, I think ultimately he then throws in at the end, he mentioned unspecified plans to develop a stronger game for the... Sorry. Stronger games, plural, for the Wii. A software company says that you know a console should be cheaper because obviously if the console's cheaper, more people own it, more software sells. Well, yeah. duh. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I'll, I'll be ahead of the uh, as of Activision Blizzard because that's all it takes. Look at his I mean, face here. He looks like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> ultimately, he's right. But as you said, I mean, Sony are pretty aware that they they need to get that console down. But short of taking the Blu-ray out, which Sony uh, you know did say this week. Um, we can't really do that to so stop the speculation. I would say to uh, Bobby Kotek, <laughs> wait two months. I say three. Look at yeah. April. Okay. In in related news, you go for it. In related news, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, sorry, I'm laughing before I've even, uh, done the news story. Uh, in related news. Oh, this is such a kick to the bollocks. <laughs> the the Wii in the UK is going to receive a twenty pound price hike. Sorry, no, say that, that again, Tony. That's a little baffling. That's a price increase. An increase, you say? Uh, I would say that £180 is not a mass market price tag. Hmm. Well, Nintendo have come out and basically said, due to the UK's poor economy at the moment, uh, yeah, I can vouch for that. Way to kick um, us down, Nintendo. Yeah, to kick us while we're down, that the, the Wii actually needs to increase its price because they're selling it for a loss at this point. Because you know, Oh, Nintendo making a loss on their Wii. Jesus Christ, they don't like that, do they? Um, so yeah, there's there's going to be a twenty pound price hike for the Wii um, at the moment. When it at the moment it stands for one eighty, one seventy nine ninety nine. So it's going to go up to no doubt one hundred ninety nine ninety nine. Now, two things. Well, one, I, I'm, is it really going to affect sales? I mean, um, yeah, we always go on about you know how much these consoles cost, and is that you know is this the key to everything? We just had a go at Sony for getting theirs down. But, you know, it's still selling like hotcakes. You still have trouble picking up a Wii, so it's an extra £20. It currently has an ORP of 180 uh, Nintendo's leaving the price charge to customers up to the stores. So basically the stores could decide, oh, look, we're, we're paying extra for this. Shall we charge the customers? Damn right they should. If Nintendo are basically, you know, being greedy at this stage or, or ultimately not wanting to lose out, why the hell should the stores suffer for it? So, yeah, I say absolutely Argus and Game and Toys R Us should all charge what, you know, ultimately scale it. So, and yeah, people and still buy Wii's in droves. It's, it's not going to change anything. But on top of that, they, I mean, there's pretty much they can't afford not to. They, they make so little on top of hardware anyway. It's yeah. the same as new games and you know, new software. Uh, but on consoles in particular, they make pretty much nothing. So if the official price of Nintendo and no doubt their price, you know, to buy stock in is going to go up due to the fact the higher retail price, you know, they're going to have to pass it on to the customer customer they can't just you know you know take that as a loss well, here comes another truckload of seven thousand pounds worth of loss yeah it's just it's it is crazy and you know just when you think nintendo can't do anything else to confound you more as a company these days off they come out and says 20 pound more you'll buy it and you will you evil people out there you will pay this extra money so they should have released it at 199 in the first place but you know they didn't know how big it was going to be so just think of all those £20 notes they've lost How come, over the I mean, years. I'm assuming that since the dollar's still strong, that they're not doing this in America. And if they did, what would America do? Uh, roll over and buy even more Wii's again? Yep. What? You know, seriously? Right. No one's going to stop they buying. Could, they could charge 
Well, how much do you think they could charge before people were like, you know what? I don't think I really need one of these. Well, how how much is it in in the states? Is it what one ninety nine? Something like that. Think about it. At Christmas time, people pay far out the ass for them on we on sorry WeeBay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's becoming, folks. Um, so I mean, people are quite prepared to pay far more than the RRP for it. So ultimately, Nintendo are seeing that and going, right? You know what? Um, so I think, I'm, frankly, I'm. If I was told that the Wii was being put up, I would think twenty pounds was actually fairly reasonable. I think that the important thing is then they won't. Yeah, they won't put it above two hundred because it's still that one nine nine ninety nine. Yeah, it's still that being, thing in your head. Oh, it's not a two hundred pounds machine. And the funny thing here is uh, the PS3 is likely coming down. The Wii's going up. They're going to meet in the middle at some point. And the funny thing is, Microsoft's also going. Hey, it's almost like we just gave a twenty-pound price cut on our own console because you know to compete when we didn't. And uh, yeah, Microsoft lose nothing on this. In fact, technically, Microsoft may even gain a few people who are like, oh, you know what? I mean, how much is a, is an arcade pack right now? One hundred thirty? One? No, it's slightly more. Than that. I think it's about one hundred fifty. One hundred forty-nine. Check Shamazon, shall we? I believe that's in the same region of the Pro now, which I think is one hundred seventy-nine ninety-nine. So it's even more than the Pro. You're on. Actually, I think you're towards an elite at that stage. <laughs> right, an Xbox 360 Pro on Amazon with a 60 gig hard drive is 160, and an arcade, 125. Oh, what man. about an Elite? <laughs> Live. Live, folks. Uh, 190. Oh man, they are 10 pounds shy of an Elite. <laughs> it's crazy. That is fucking crazy. If uh, I'm speechless. But at the same time, uh, it's not like it wasn't anticipated. Okay, let's just move on from this, because this is just depressing. Okay, <laughs> okay next one. Uh, Michael Pachter. And why concept recognition factor is key for the Wii. Uh, according to uh, Wedbush Morgan analyst Michael Pachter, a successful Wii game often scores big because it has a great concept, high recognition factor, and does a good job of utilizing the Wii controllers. Now, Michael Pachter's been mentioned many times. He's on uh, Giant Bomb quite often, as, as in everybody mentioned. Yeah. He's a video game specialising analyst, and he's actually fairly on the money a hell of a lot of times. He's, he's made some pretty good predictions in the past. Uh, but he goes on to say, the Wii audience isn't sophisticated enough to know... <laughs> God. I love it. I, lo- I mean, that is a brushstroke and a half. The Wii audience yeah. isn't sophisticated enough to know whether the game they're buying compares favourably to, say, Gears of War or Little Big Planet, because they probably don't own an Xbox 360 or a PS3. They buy the Wii games that they buy for the same reason that people go to McDonald's, Pactor says. McDonald's doesn't win a lot of restaurant critic awards, but they are approachable and they're consistent, and you know what they're going to serve you. Yes! Shit! Shit. <laughs> I mean... Who sells more food, McDonald's or Ruth's Chris Steakhouse? Never heard of them. Nintendo has become the fast food machine. Sony is the very, very much the high-end restaurant. Microsoft is somewhere in between. No, you know what? Microsoft, you're getting an awesome steak for the price just shy of McDonald's. In fact, at the moment, less than McDonald's. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's mental. So, yeah, um, aside from Michael Pachter thinking that all of you guys are idiots, I think what he's trying to say is that you've, you've got waggle controls. Yep. I mean, basically, is that it? Yeah, you got like well, no, what, you waggle the little Wii thingy, and people go, "Well, I can play bowling with my Wii thing." Yeah. What he's basically saying is, I mean, he's telling us which we've been, you know, talking about in this podcast for ages. He's not telling us; he's telling the people that are buying the Wii, you know, Wii consoles are people like my mum, who's brought one now. Um, my Mrs. Atkins, why? Um, and you know, she hasn't ever brought a games console, so she doesn't know any of this stuff. So she just buys, you know, she's tell her to get an Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty Elite. 
<laughs> but it wouldn't be really for her. I mean, it's it's ideal for her, and they they love doing. Well, she's lucky she bought one now before the big price hike. In, indeed. So you know, and that's fine. I mean, they're not going to know about Gears of War, neither are they ever going to play something like Gears of War. But I mean, that's a broad brushstroke saying that every single person that buys a Wii is um is in that same category. But this is what happens: the expanding market that the Wii's bringing us doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fluctuate to other you know, people but yeah I mean the actual thing about McDonald's is I actually do really like that I think I may use it in the future if the concept is right if the recognition factor is there if you get it from what's on the box sometimes the game doesn't even have to be that good in order for it to sell <laughs> when a housewife is in Walmart and sees Jillian Michaels face this could be your mum uh, Jillian Michaels face on Jillian Michaels fitness ultimatum 2009 for we Jillian Michael <laughs> American nobody has to explain it to them they recognise her from TV's biggest loser wow that's like when Kid Chief, when uh, yeah, Keith Chegwin's on the front of a Keith Chegwin's party quiz, know what you get. Yeah. yeah, they know they have a Wii Fit balance board at home, and they buy the game. Do they know whether it's a good game or not? Doesn't matter. He adds, uh, he, he's he's basically associating the, the Wii crowd with a herd of people who basically go, "Moo, I like that. I know that. It's an identifiable brand." And they're not going to be buying, say, Alone in the Dark on the Xbox 360, just you know, off off the cuff. Probably a good thing. Yeah, um, I thought THQ's De Blob was a really great Wii game, but Ubisoft's The Price is Right outsold it 3 to 1. So did THQ's Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Make the grade. That's sad, but it tells you what, who the audience is. Again, Michael Pachter has a very low opinion of uh, the Wii audience. But this That's isn't going to be obvious. Yeah, it's, 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 it is fairly obvious. But gaming, oh, this could we could talk about this for ages but gaming is becoming very mainstream uh, to, to the point where it's it's kind of the sort of thing you know you go you pick up your shopping and if there's a Wii there you're like hey I'll buy a Wii but I mean I've got 180 I mean, pounds or now 200 pounds <laughs> 200 um, I mean going back to his the McDonald's theory you know to be fair that's a really good analogy because I, I don't actually mind going to McDonald's once every you know month or so you know I'd happen to be passing by and I'll, you know the equivalent is I'll have a you know a, a, a Actually, you know, chicken selects nowadays I have, but you know, occasionally I do that with the Wii. Occasionally there is something that comes out which is just, you know, I know what I'm getting, I'm going to play it, fun, fine. But it's not the thing that is constantly, you don't go to McDonald's every day because you know you're going to basically get, a, you know, a gut and be served shit every day. Yeah. And the same way you don't eat a prime rig, rib of steak each day because the same thing is going to happen. You're going to have you know, digestive issues. You need something in between and that's obviously where the 360 comes in, but... You know, each console is for a demographic of people, and I think this year, or this generation, is the perfect example of that. The Wii has just really mixed things up and really shown what we knew with the PlayStation 2, which is gaming has become mass market. Yeah. Uh, but along with that is, you, there's, some, there's just mass market poop out there, I'm afraid. <laughs> Okay, and I believe the McDonald's analogy also stands up because I avoid McDonald's like the plague. I'm not touching that place. Uh, so, yeah, perfect. I think that's the end of the news, and uh, we'll move on. This week's topic of choice is actually what we've been playing and what we've been watching because we've got so much to say about all three of them. We've got Killzone 2, 50 Cent, and Watchmen. So we're going to actually start off with just the other games we've been playing and then segue on to that one. So we'll have some uh, some music and uh, then go on to what you've been playing. They sentenced me to 20 years of boredom for trying to change the system from within I'm coming now I'm coming to reward them First, we take Manhattan 
Right, so Sonny, what have you been playing, man? What have I been playing? Well, obviously, apart from the obvious that we'll get on to in a minute, um, I broke the 100,000 achievement score Yay! there. Go me. And a little celebration of fireworks and Confetti. Microsoft gives me, yeah, gives me a prize of nothing. <laughs> Yay. Now, and, uh, yeah, obviously, if anyone reading the blog, I, I, I posted up there how I was slightly... Uh, uh, I don't know. It wasn't wasn't too sure how I was going to feel once I passed the 100k mark because that has been something I've been aiming for the last three years. Um, and to give you the answer of what that was, not a lot at all because we were playing 50 Cent uh, Blood on the Sand at the time, <laughs> which is what a way to celebrate it. What eh? a noble end to your achievements. Uh, yeah, it could have been anything else, but no, that's fine. So 100k, and as I said before, you know I could have hit that a long time ago if I was an, a gamer score whore, and I'm not. I'm an achievement whore. Like to get games, would you complete them? Could you? Yeah. Could you specify the difference between those two? Because I think we need to really underline. Okay. This. Well, a gamer score whore is somebody that basically gets a game and can put it in the drive, get two or three hundred points for it, and then just post it straight back in the post and get the next one in because they're, they're just going for the easy points. Anything that is slightly difficult, they go, no, I don't want to. I just want the maximum amount of points. They don't really. So achieve anything for their achievements exactly so they you know you end up looking at people's profiles and they've got like 500 games on there and each one's just got like the you know a designated two or three hundred points which means so eventually you know you look at their, their score and it's like 200 pounds you think wow they must be really good and you look at the profile and go good at playing lots of games um not really my deal i don't mind people doing that that's up to them i'm in the achievement hall where i get a game and i go this game is going to be my life for the next few few hours, few weeks, few years maybe. And I will attempt to get through every achievement I can possibly get, which sometimes take hundreds of hours in the case of Lost Odyssey or Burnout Paradise. So it's slightly different. So I'm, I'm more proud to be the, uh, the other way around. But the problem is then that means if I get something like 50 Cent, save it for the review, Tony. Save it for the review. <laughs> I think in our own personal laundry list of character flaws, you have like this little obsession stick that you uh, give to each game individually as it turns up in your doorway. So, you know, it was 50 cent this week and you were like, right, you're going to be my achievements bitch. And you don't stop thinking about or playing that one game until you've gotten <laughs> everything from it. You squeeze it and squeeze it. I'm I'm able to put games down, but you, you have to. What, what yeah, we, the, the phrase we coined was Tony them. But sometimes I, d- I do know my limits. I used to play non-stop until I got every single point. Nowadays, something like, say, Call of Duty 4. Oh, yeah. Was that? Yeah, but that, the final achievement in Call of Duty 4, it was, you know, complete this, the aeroplane section in, like, I think it was, it was under a minute, a minute on Veteran. Um, I tried it for about an hour, couldn't do it, and actually then just said, you know what? That is fine. It's all about getting the flow. I've, I've seen YouTube yeah. videos of it. You've got basically there's there's a specific way you've got to go through. Shoot this guy with one bullet. Take his gun. Use that gun. Exactly. To shoot this guy. There's a way of doing it, but it's crazy. You'd have to. Basically I, I refuse to get myself upset about achievements anymore. That's why. Right, fair enough. Well, now you're past the hundred k mark. You can probably stop worrying. So now two hundred k. Here I come. <laughs> in three years' time. I'm just hoping uh, to reach twenty k sometime soon. See, I mean, and as I said before, it's, it's, it's got nothing to do with anyone else. You know, if someone's got 20k and they've spent a long time playing those games, fantastic. It's, that is always really, really good and it really is scores. It doesn't mean anything other than to yourself. So when people are only getting 200 points in their game, well, it doesn't mean, it means even less than what it means already, which is pretty much nothing anyway. So. Speaking of rigmaroles we put ourselves through, what little one did you have to go through in order to play Killzone 2? We, you know what? I should have brought a DualShock 3 pad on for the uh, the PlayStation a long time ago. 
yes. But I kind of got pissed off that, you know, it wasn't already in the box due to, uh, Sony, you know, apparently couldn't, you know, make this happen with the duty of the, uh, the six axes. There was litigation going on at the time. Uh, pathetic. So, um, you know, I've been playing everything with the, the standard six axis controller, which, you know, let's face it, is about as heavy as a feather. Yeah. It weighs as much as a photograph of itself. Yeah. I, I won't get into the, the actual pad itself, but, you know, it's, it's fine, whatever. But Killzone 2 is coming out, and I thought, you know what, to give this game the respect it, it you know, rightly deserves, I should go and purchase myself a Dual Shot 3 and, and feel the full force of the rumble. Um, I was slightly shocked. How much do you think, Alex, a DualShock 3 pad would cost you? I would say, uh, mm, if it's going to be like the uh, Microsoft Xbox one, £25? Um, £40. Or £39.99. Let's not forget the penny. Fuck me. Uh, so £40. I mean, obviously you can pick these things up slightly cheaper online, so like 35 quid. But as a standard controller, £40 for something that really should have been in the box in the first place? And it is now, of course. To me, that seems somewhat steep. That's it's the price of a game. It's cost prohibitive, and it's actually barring me from playing two-player games like Little Big Planet because uh, I'm, I'm not going to spend forty pounds. That's ironically, huge. Paul actually uh, imported the, his, his Dual Shock Three from the, uh, Japan before it even come to the UK. That's and I believe he's yeah. He paid twenty nine ninety nine and got it like four months before me. Yeah, I paid about the same. Well done! Yay, go Europe once again. <laughs> Shafted. Well, it's the the, the weak pound, so. Anyway, apart so, from that, you also played Ninja Blade. Yeah, so did you. Yeah, for all of Moving on. five minutes. <laughs> okay, from what I got of Ninja Blade, it was just just Ninja Gaiden without the polish. Uh, would I be wrong in saying that? No, not at all. I mean, I, I tried my, as I did to actually play Ninja, uh, Ninja Gaiden, but it, it's a it's a hard game and not really my type of stuff. Yeah, but only quantum. Ninja Blade. Don't know. It just it's it's like oh, it's this. You jumped down, yeah, there was just basically a long quick time event and it was boring and it was like, you missed it, so do it again. So I was like, right, this isn't at all fun or exciting. And then I got down to the ground and aside from just looking like, uh, Ninja Gaiden, it then suddenly started playing exactly like Ninja Gaiden. I had to kill demons. And I was like, right, well, a regular attack isn't working on them, they've got shields. I wonder if I press what, uh, sorry, uh, triangle, uh, it was a heavy Why? attack, what do you know? <laughs> and then you can switch weapons just like Heavenly Sword or, or, or indeed, um, Ninja Gaiden. It's the same game. I'm amazed at how cheeky they are. Except for the fact that the ninja of the title is kind of a reverse ninja. He's got, rather than his, his uh, mouth covered up, he's got everything but his mouth covered up, which makes no uh-huh. sense. <laughs> That's just what they'll be not expecting. So, yeah, anyway, uh, totally uninspiring. Once again, it continues the trend of releasing uh, demos that I play and then go, thank you for making me not want to buy your game. Or Fantastic. even rent it. Yeah, congratulations. What, what's Groove? So, yeah. Right, Groove, um, this was mentioned on the Super Happy Funtime show last week. Yep. Um, thanks to the, for the shout-out there. Yeah, thanks for the shout-out there, uh, Chris and the guys. Um, Groove is actually a, a community game, and uh, the easiest way to describe it, it's pretty much a copycat of um, Everyday Shooter on the PlayStation 3. Right. I don't know whether you played that, Alex. I don't know if that's going to make any sense to you. Uh, it makes sense to me. Okay, so the idea is it's... To be honest, if most people have seen how Geometry Worlds plays, and it plays very similar to that. You have a little dot on the screen, fly the dot around, and shoot the other things that are trying to kill you. Very simple. But with this one in the same vein as Everyday Shooter, with the right control stick where you're shooting stuff, the dots that are coming out are actually uh, musical notes. And as you're scrolling around the screen and, and hitting the other enemies, they all produce musical sounds, 
very similar to Rez in, in concept as well. And with that, you make a, a kind of groovy beat. Um, it sounds very much like Res, actually, but uh, it sounds O-tech very much like Res, and it is very, very similar to Everyday Shooter. But I can tell you one thing: mm-hmm. I played it three times over for the four-minute trial that you actually get on the um, on the uh, community game service, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And for, for me to say that about a community game is is somewhat rare because most you know don't don't get the four-minute treatment; they get the twenty-second treatment. So the fact that I played it three times and it's two hundred points and I probably should buy it, but I, I kind of feel almost like I got my uh, you know four minutes worth is just probably what you want to play it for every now and again. So I think I'll just keep the trial. Just keep but, um, playing it every now and then. Oh God! But it, no, it it's, it truly is uh, entertaining. It's a it's a tried and tested concept, but it shows uh, if you know if you've got a good idea, the community games can actually you know power that along. And as basic as it, it looks, it is uh, it is rather fun. So. Go check out the trial. It's tiny download, um, but is uh, really, really good. And certainly if you don't have access to uh, Everyday Shooter on the PlayStation 3, it would actually give you some idea of what uh, a really polished, <coughs> or a, a not-so-polished version of that would be. So go check that out. And finally, Silent Hill Homecoming. Yeah, finally, Silent Hill Homecoming. Now, this, honestly, is my favourite game I've been playing at the moment. Um Really odd one here because this this has been getting slightly mixed reviews. I mean, it goes from like B from one up all the way down to like six out of ten from um, or six point five out of ten from IGN. So it you know it sits in an odd place. Um, basically, it's it's Silent Hill on the Xbox 360, um, but not quite as good as Silent Hill 2. Um, and really, that should tell you everything you need to know because you can know whether you like Silent Hill games or not. I don't. Um, I got basically I, I got over my uh, honeymoon with them around about the middle of Silent Hill 2, which had quite a good ending. But basically, it's like, what? Well, this is this is just going to be the same. You know, you go to this place, you're missing someone, you shout, and you run around in the fog. Then the radio goes. Weird things come out of the darkness at you. You fight them, and then things get really nasty, and everything gets all rusty. And then the dude with the big pyramid head comes after the big axe, <laughs> and then you run down a place, and you find a place, and you kill, stick, keep think, killing things, and you do some puzzles, and you kill some nurses with backwards heads, and then some well, babies man. come at you and you stamp on them, and then a dog comes at you. Like you know what? Okay, I've done well, this. You, you know what? And that is would be true, but. We played Resident Evil games, and that's pretty much the same thing over and over again. Well, yeah, but Silent I games have certain Silent Hill yeah, never fun for me. But Silent Hill, I, what I can say about this one, look, the story is okay. I mean, I don't think it compares to the other stories in the franchise, and I think that is one of the things that the reviews are really hitting on. But I haven't played three and four, so to me, it's, it's kind of like coming back to an old game I really enjoyed, you know, back on the PlayStation One game. So really, the last one you did play was two. Too, yeah, right. which is really good. So I'm the story's okay. I'm proud of myself for finishing the first one. Actually, with no ex- no tip guides or anything like that. But it's got a really good pace to it. Um, the music is fantastic. It, it almost feels like you're playing an an indie film type thing. You know, it's it's slightly slowed down, and you know, it's it's slightly nerve wracking. It's like watching a really good horror film. Was it like watching the Silent Hill film? No, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's rubbish. <laughs> but also, but Jambo critics- likes it. A lot of critics seem to be um, having a go at the control system because you're actually playing in this one an ex-army guy that's come back to you know and to find that his half his family's disappeared and he's now going to have to travel off and find him through the fog, blah blah blah. But um, they're complaining that basically he's a really good shot with a, Wait a, a gun. Your family's disappeared. You got to find him through the fog. Yeah, yeah okay, let, let, let. but they they complain. Are there really backwards walking nurses? He, no, there is. Um, 
they're complaining that he's a really good shot at the game. They're complaining that he has now the ability to to dodge attacks. um, Never happy. (laughs) And you know what? I'm sitting there and playing this. I'm going, fantastic. I can shoot people. I can dodge attacks. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like going, oh, but in Resident Evil 5, you have to stand still when you can fire a gun. This doesn't have the same problem. And on top of that... I'm scared shitless. I'm not particularly great with horror films, as you know, Alex. I don't, it's not really my genre. I don't, I'm not overly comfortable with it. I do get scared with stuff. I admit, I'm a wimp. Um, <laughs> is the only yeah, thing even, he's worth about, folks. Even Chuck Norris, yeah, probably doesn't like horror films. Which was that um, horror film where you were, you were watching it on your own, uh, in your house, and then, like, you were just I'm getting gonna... to a really scary point, and then, like, a coat fell off the back of the door on, <laughs> and onto on. you. And you're like, ah! Never been the it same was haunted since. with Aiden Quinn. Um, but I, I am honestly, I, I feel really tense playing this game, and I'm not. That's not a feeling I'm particularly comfortable with, and doesn't necessarily make it for a great gaming experience. But there's something about this. It's a really good single player game. I just find myself being drawn back to the story, drawn back to the music, and drawn back to the combat, and just I actually want to play it. And considering you know I've been playing a lot higher profile games this week, this is the one that obviously has really been keeping my attention. So um, I'm thoroughly going to recommend Silent Hill. If I was to give it a review score now, I'd actually give it an 8 out of 10. You finish it's, it, yeah. uh, I'm literally on the final stage. I'm, I'm probably going to do it tonight after we finish the podcast. So, uh, yeah, for anyone that's considering I, I think it's probably going to pass past most people's radars. But um, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I, I You're on the final level. Back. There's uh, still time for you to get to a, an evil final level boss who takes you three hours oh. and you can just fucking hate the game by the end. Right, speaking of which, but no, we'll get to that in a second. Um, what have I been playing? Peggle, Wheelman, and Wanted demos. Um, actually, no, Peggle, I played the demo, and it was, I think, possibly even faster than Braid actually got me to go, yeah, you know what, I want this. I, I, Welcome to the party. Yeah, I, I, I won the first bit, and it went... Yes, I'm having that. And I bought it, and it gave me an achievement. I was like, wow. Basically, because I just won that match, that was the achievement. So it's like, you know, even though I hadn't actually owned the game at that point... Five points? It's just by proxy, so... Yeah. Yeah, always a five-point one. Right, I'm going to explain this one to people who haven't played it, because every time... Every time it's mentioned on a podcast, everyone goes, oh, yeah, Peggle. But no one ever explains it. Because everyone's played it. Except for me, I'd never played it. And everyone I mentioned it to at work today had never heard of it. So I'm going to tell people what Peggle is right now. Everyone who knows what Peggle is, turn off your iPod for about a minute. And then fast forward it, I don't know. Um, Right, okay, Peggle is a puzzle game, much like Pachinko or Pinball, where you have uh, a big screen covered in blue dots... And the interspersed with the blue dots are orange dots, and those are all pegs. Uh, yeah, there's some green dots and pink ones, but we won't talk about them because they'll just confuse matters. Um, you have at the top of the screen, like a, a launcher that fires a ball. You have ten balls. You basically gotta hit every single orange, but, um, every single orange blob on peg. the screen. Peg. Um, and there's like what? Th- 15, 20 orange blobs, but way more than you've got balls, right? At the bottom of the screen, there's a bucket going left and right, for, uh, you know, back and forth. And basically, you fire the ball, it bounces off the blue pegs, and they give you 10 points each. Every time you hit an orange peg, it's like a combination thing. And it's using real-time physics, so your ball bounces left and right and back and forth, but slowly going down until eventually it either lands in the bucket, in which case you get a free ball, or outside the bucket, in which case it's gone, and you've got to use one of your other balls. 
it's incredibly addictive. You basically you fire it off and you're like, oh, and then half the the um, pegs beneath you disappear because in one shot you're like, wow, I'm I'm pretty good at this. And then you fire a few more off and it's like, well, I'm doing really well. It's all, it feels like it's all to do with just luck. And then eventually when you start, you know, when you get good at it, I mean, today this morning, I I never get up in the morning and stick a game on. I think this is what really made me think I like this game because I actually wanted to play it in the morning rather than, you know, reading gaming news or listening to a podcast or what I normally do. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I was, I was, I had like three minutes left before I had to get to work and I was like, God, I finished this level. And eventually there was a sort of rotating thing which had like, there was a, like a tiny channel between six balls and I had mm-hmm. to get the ball down in between them to fire to the last. I had one ball left, one orange peg left, and it went straight through and went into slow motion and went... I was like, get in there! And it was like it's, scoring a goal. It's reinforcement gaming. It's making you happy each time it does it. Hence, you know, that song and whatnot. And yeah. you're a thousand, hundred thousand points. But I'm gonna, just trying to hit that bucket. I'm going to show this to my mum on Tuesday. I'm going to show her this and Flower and say, there you go. Here's two games you might like. And it's the greatest casual game yeah, in the world. Very, very likely. Because it'll take you about five seconds to work out how to do it. So uh, I'm going to honestly uh, recommend everyone try the demo on Xbox Live. And yeah, it's been on the PC forever and sold millions and millions. In fact, it's it's pretty much made popcat. And, and and if you've got an old school iPod with a click wheel, uh, a video iPod, it'll work on that. The great thing about it, it's not original. Stuff like this has existed before, but it is reinforcement gaming as well. But it becomes devilishly difficult towards the end of the actual, you know, the structure of the game because something you have to get yeah, fix shots and things and battle. Well, yeah, pretty good. To at give you an example, there's like a wall that covers three quarters, well, four, you know, pretty much ninety-five percent of the bottom section, and you'll see a peg, like an orange peg, on the far left-hand side, underneath this wall, with about three other pegs below it. Are you telling me and this is going to become frustrating? No, no, because you, you're sitting there and you, you're literally going, how the hell will that ball get from there to there? And you've got 10 shots and you're just thinking, right. And you slowly out of just nutrition, just work out what the hell the hell to get the ball across there. And there's different ways to, to do trick shots. But suddenly you'll be firing balls where it'll just slightly glance off one peg, which means it will just bounce off this wall, which then comes back across and the slow motion hits that peg. And it may take you 10 to 15 minutes to work out the direction of it but that's where the you know the fantastic this game comes in because it, it's taught you everything you need to know for a trick like that and once you actually pull it off and complete the game it's a you know fantastic thing i have yet to buy it yet though because i have played this game to completion twice uh on different platforms but you can so. play it online i mean i went online oh, and yeah. thrashed somebody I, I beat them by so many points it was it was embarrassing i was like oh um, I think that the pain though there was that they were silent and I had my headset on and you kind of if you're playing against someone with Peggle you want to be able to hear them go ooh 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 oh you bastard yeah so uh, yeah I can thoroughly recommend this one I, I honestly expected it to be 1200 points it was 800 I was like great cash back I'm making money on this deal right, but it's been on every platform ever apart from the PlayStation and, Store and it's on the Wii? Wii now no, not now, but I, I'm sure it probably will. Make. I don't think it's an Xbox. It's on the DS. So. It's on the DS. It's coming to the DS. It's not on it now. It's on the iPhone. Coming to the iPhone next month. Too late. So too late. will beat the cry when the guy with the iPhone has passed you by. I would have bought it on the iPhone, but uh, <laughs> now I've already got it on. Uh, oh, well done, man. Welcome, to, welcome to the Peggle Club. Everybody loves. Peggle. I want to go play it now, but we must continue. Also, very briefly, played Wheelman and Wanted Weapons of Fate. Uh, I quite enjoyed Wheelman. It's a bit like uh, it reminded me of the driver on PlayStation One, and uh, it reminded me of Midtown Madness on uh, Xbox. Xbox, yeah. the original Xbox. And you, 
fun. That's definitely going to be a rental. Wanted Weapons of Fate. What did you think on this one? I haven't actually tried it, actually. I know. Okay, I did. It, it was a bit like Dark Sector. At least I would imagine how Dark Sector was. You just shoot dudes and move from cover to cover to cover and shoot more dudes. And I, I don't know. I'm getting a bit bored of shooting dudes. I want to do other stuff. You know, uh, just putting a bullet in the head of a guy. I mean, there's got to be more to life than doing that. I mean, at least in Wheelman, while you're putting the head bullets in the heads of dudes, you can also drive over ramps. You're fit to hit that ramp, man. Main feature, a loom. Main feature. <laughs> right. Should we do Killzone 2, 50 cent first? Which one should we do? Let's do the uh, the cream before the curd. Nice. <laughs> Did you say curd or turd? Well. <laughs> right, okay. Cream and turds. Hmm. Yeah, I think you were right the second time. Okay, so Killzone 2. Let's be as objective about this as possible because a lot of people have gone, oh, the controls, all the level bosses, and oh, there's... Okay, well, let's just say very briefly what's a pain in the ass about this game and then just big it up after that because ultimately what is a problem with this game isn't really enough to drag it down, frankly. Um, to me, the middle boss, which is a sort of a, a, an incredibly fast jet engine gunship thing, is a pain in the ass. It took me ages to beat and it was just after we'd done our feature on uh, evil uh, bosses last week. And I can just give you my pro tip right now. Just a tip. Use your magnum to shoot the pylons because you don't need to shoot them with the rocket launcher. Just use your rocket launcher to shoot the uh, gunship. And then when he's flying all over the shop, just wait for him to calm down and keep out of his way. Then take your shot when all the smoke is cleared. Because otherwise, uh, the amount of running around blind with all that smoke everywhere and getting shot in the back just drove me nuts. Uh, and that's not a spoiler. All I'm, spo- all I'm spoiling is you hating that game. So, yeah, don't worry about it. You'll, you'll like it more if you can just beat him easily. And the final boss, I'm not going to spoil much there, but ultimately, um, if he's causing you problems, check check facts online, because you don't want to be playing that boss for two hours, like I did, because I hated that boss so much. I got an achievement for beating him under 20 minutes. Yeah, fuck Woo. you. Um, oh, trophy. I don't you totally <laughs> him. You made him your bitch. Actually, I think it took less than two hours, but it felt so long. Such a cheating fuck. I mean, seriously. Everything we said last week about bosses, but I mean, <sighs> I'll write about him at a later date. Um, also, the controls didn't really feel intuitive to me because I'm used to the 360 pad. I got used to them, but a lot of the time it felt like I was wrestling with the controller to play despite the controller rather than with the controller. But I, I think that comes in that, that they deliberately aim in for a control that makes you feel like you're, you know, you're part of a movement of a body. Yeah. Um, but the problem <clears> is I, I found that it, it kind of had this, what they do with uh, console controls where, you know, you, you pull a bit to the left and you know, it goes slow and then all of a sudden it speeds up because it, it knows that you want to turn around. And I found it difficult between, you know, kind of just trying to zoom in and snipe guys and moving it to the left and suddenly it's shooting a bit too far. Just um, put it up by sensitivity by one notch. That actually worked for me. Because all you need is that just that little bit extra movement as you move to the left or the right. That's all you need. Um, the other thing I'll say is that it has absolutely no character whatsoever, and everyone in the game could have lived or died. I wouldn't have cared. 
and um, there is actually a moment when someone dies in the middle of the uh, game and it's just a moment after you get this really awesome weapon the lightning gun and um, after this person dies you go on to the next level and you lose the lightning gun and start with the uh, uh, just regular, regular. and I, I felt you will be missed lightning gun because that was the only thing I cared about in the whole game because it was awesome it was kind of like the companion cube only it could like shoot lightning and fry people. Yeah, it was great. I mean, you um, just like fry whole bunches of hell gas. It was great. It, it's hard for you to say to just kind of ignore these things and jump on to what the positives are because for me, I actually found more negatives than I did positives. Is that so? Um, well, okay, let's jump on to the I positives. I found a PlayStation a 3 shooter that I really quite liked for a change as, uh, as opposed and, to Resistance, which I was just totally meh about. Okay, let's get it out of the way. It's a good shooter. I mean, if I was to review this and give it a score, it'd sit somewhere firmly between 7 and 8. Why do you always, if you were to review this, why can't you just actually review it? Come on. Okay, reviewing this, I'd give it somewhere between 7 and 8. Right, which um, one? 7 or 8? Uh, uh, you know, I'd give it an 8 out of 10 because I think it does a lot. Presentation you know, it does a lot for the um, for the PlayStation Network um, for online shooting as well. I think you know for that it takes it you know another step forward. But it is full of little flaws, um, and for a game that is so hyped and being in production for so very long and is such a a tentpole for Sony to you know pinning all their hopes on for such a long time, I don't think it lived up to the hype. Um, See, I think just just the uh, the feeling of being able to lean out from behind cover and pop someone in the head and basically the just have them crap. go down straight. See, I like the cover. Aside from the fact that you basically had to constantly hold down the button and do this weird kind of bear claw with your hand, it actually felt like you were really sort of hiding behind a box as opposed to in, in Gears, which, although the cover's much more effective, you just hold down A and then you can just do anything, just sort of sit there. Yeah, because you come down and sit and stick to it. I found constantly found myself trying to stick to cover and kind of breaking away from it because the controls are somewhat wonky. I, uh, I can see what heavy. they were trying to do, though, because ultimately they were trying to make it more of a fluid, organic thing. You weren't just, like, pressing a button and then oh, just yeah. going into cover mode. It was like you what? had to constantly keep cover. It's just that because... You had to sort of keep your hand doing this weird thing. It was like you wanted to get out of cover, and there was no way that I, you could convince me in the battlefield that you would want to put your head up. <laughs> what? Okay, the, the things I like about this game, <clears throat> the, the graphics, of, you know, it's very hard not to talk about Killzone and talk about the graphics. And yes, you bring in that the inevitable, did it ever mi- match that original trailer they showed off at E3 2000? Five, I can't six. even remember that trailer. It looked impressive. That's all I remember. It looked impressive, and, and the honest answer is no, they didn't. But they got pretty close, which you know, well done, guys. And you know, this is really what I like about the game. It does, you know, it looks filthy. There's so much stuff going on. You know, the air is littered with gases, and you know, it feels like there's a windstorm that's rushing through the place. Um, you know, but, and but that's all it is, though. It's there's so little but, variety in the graphics. It's just industrial zone after industrial yeah. zone. Slightly later on in in the game, not given any spoil, you do go to some slightly different environments, but you know, nothing, yeah, nothing you wouldn't necessarily have seen in every game. But it, you know, it does look good, and it and you know, running around and seeing squad mates move and have you know jet planes and stuff flying in, it, it it's really really impressive. And in that respect, you know, it done fantastic. And I w- I'm not going to be um, you know judgmental here. If um, Halo Three had the, the graphics like that, it would probably be the best game ever made. 
Are you saying that the one failing of Halo 3 is its graphics? The graphics are perfectly fine, but it is no Killzone 2. But there's a reason it's no Killzone 2, because they do so much more. And same as Call of Duty, they do so much more to actually change up, rather than it being beautiful graphics. I found myself a lot of the time with the beautiful graphics, meaning the animation would be, you know, they would be so desperately trying to do stuff with animation that if you're pressing down the run button to to make it look authentic, you know, you'd run past your target because you wouldn't be slowing down in time. You know, all of that is perfectly fine to make it a realistic shooter, but it fails in so many other areas. Like I said, I didn't find the cover particularly helpful. Um, I felt that the story itself was completely meh. I didn't care about anybody in that stuff. And You've I was got to really stop using the term meh. It's been copyrighted to the Jaded Gamer. Okay, that, well, that is true. It was really just completely, I didn't care about these people. In fact, there was a, a cutscene where um, they pull out and they showed my guy and I hadn't realised up until this point, and I was like three quarters way through the guy through the game that oh that's me. You see him in the mirror at the beginning. What are you talking about? He's in every couple of cutscenes. <laughs> it's like and it's just it's but so he, he's just got such yeah, a like, nothing kind of personality. He's he is. I mean, I'm sure the what they were trying to do was make you just a soldier, the unknown grunt who's doing you know his his part in the thing. Unfortunately, you're surrounded by total assholes. I couldn't give a toss about anyone if they've been like if i'd been an unknown soldier but there'd been someone really charismatic like i don't know picking a name out of a hat Kiefer sutherland in my party going come on man we gotta do this and i'd be like yeah let's get behind it but instead you're behind this bald miserable twat who keeps going yo motherfucker let's go over here and it's like shut up get, leave me alone yeah. especially in that final battle he was he was a fucking chocolate teapot he was useless <laughs> i just i i feel like i mean it's it's hard to actually complain about a shooter to fall back on its in its old kind of stereotypes of you know pop up shoot guys head off you know blah 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 move forward but it did very very much feel like it was just kill rooms you go from one room to the next there's 20 guys in front of you you snipe them off you go on to the next now gears of war suffers from that a little bit but i think you know at least you had an ai group of team that i actually was found their story somewhat Same interesting all shooters at the moment all fps do, suffer from this you won't, won't move to the next section you shoot all the guys there you move to the next section what other what, shooter doesn't do this I'm, but I'm, it's what they do with the ai to make those shooting sections interesting i mean yeah. i'm sorry to keep coming back to halo because it makes me sound like a 360 fanboy when i'm trying not to be but so are different sections of that game you know you could be every time you play it's it's completely different there's driving sections there'd be people jumping around um and you really have to you know if you come up on the right hand side it's a completely different game than if you come up on the left i, I totally agree just, with you there the ai is unparalleled Except just, the it's flood, like turn up. there is a corridor, you move forward, and sometimes you're on a balcony and you shoot down. And the final level was a prime example of just frustration and annoying that pretty much the entire game was based around. But on top of that, it looks incredible. And that you can't help but sit there and go, <laughs> my God, this is fantastic looking. But it doesn't hide gameplay that is fundamentally something that has been based on the last, like, you know, two, three, four years of shooting and in times it's like am I just playing the PS3's version of Killzone and you know it has a driving section it has like a I don't want to spoil too many but there's many things that is shared in parallel to Gears of War 2 and obviously they didn't know that upon making it this game's been in development for ages but I just felt for something that is Sony's big hope that you know the power of the PlayStation 3 it showed me exactly what the PlayStation 3 can do in graphics terms but it did very little in between to actually really make me care about story, characters, gameplay. And by the end of it, I was like, you know what? I rented it. I didn't buy it. I almost brought it, but I rented it. I finished it. 
I played multiplayer for a few hours and I was like, I don't need to keep it because I'm never going back to the single player story again. The multiplayer is actually really good. And this is one thing I'm really actually uh, I'm impressed with because for one, it worked. It didn't lag. It seemed to be really easy to get into games. Um, there's actually the ability to join friends uh, online. Pretty uh, simple. In fact, you can just search for them and there they are. Um, it gives me hope for the PlayStation Network in the future if you know they can actually really concentrate on on that. So yeah, for that and also. I love the the game type where it just puts. I mean, this has been well spoken about on many other podcasts, but there's it, there's like four different game types, like capture the flag, you know, just standard kill, you know, kill everyone on one team, um, and you know, this uh, also like take little sections, nothing you haven't seen anywhere else, but they combine it all into one game. So for like five minutes, you'll be doing killing things, and one person would hit like the fifty score limit, and then then you know you'd go on to capture the flag without actually exiting the game. So the the balance of the team, I believe, we won like three two, something like that. Um, so it just meant that you know, we weren't so good at uh, doing the the deathmatch type thing, but we we're really good at holding our flag, our base. So you know. I think that's a really good thing, and I think it's a really good sign that Sony and their network is actually, you know, growing to support something like Killzone 2 now. But sorry, the single player to me is a seven out of ten. The multiplayer bumps up to an eight out of ten. Okay, fair enough. It's got redeeming features, though. Yeah. Um, no one was speaking in our uh, our multiplayer game. I played one quick game. As it so happened, I appeared to just jump, jump into a game which uh, Chris O'Regan, a.k.a. Kropotkin, was playing in as well. We never spoke because we couldn't. Um, how much is a Bluetooth headset going to cost you? Isn't the official one about 30 quid? Other ones are a lot cheaper, but, you know... Okay, but Bluetooth, if you say so. want an official one, same as you want an official DualShock 3, that's 70 quid to get the rumble and to be able to talk to people mm-hmm. online. That's a fairly hefty markup from, you know... Out, out of the box but I mean you know it, ultimately if, you're, if you've only got a PS3 and you're serious about online gaming you're going to do that yeah. anyway and you know I just but, I, I wish that more that, that talking was a standard in online gaming because it just seemed so lonely playing it and it was just like wow I'm just getting shot here no one's talking I'm out frankly but it's a problem because you can't you know if everybody should have a headset and you know obviously in the box of the microphone <coughs> it comes with it so everybody so even you know if you're jump, jumping on for like five five minutes once in a while you're going to have a headset i just found myself in in a game i had no headset i mean i'm i'm a big gamer and i don't even have a headset and just there was a few french guys talking and there was no real kind of tactics other than just looking at the other person playing and you know it should just come in a box because that way you know everybody would be on the same ground right my thoughts on killzone 2 it was probably one of the best games i've played on playstation 3 and i've played five Woo-hoo. drake's fortune's the best then uh Probably Metal Gear 4, then this, then uh, Singstar. No, actually, I prefer Heavenly Sword to this. So then this is number four, then Singstar, uh, then uh, Resistance Fall of Man. So in the in the hun- in the 100% of games I've played on the PS3, what a rubbish list, honestly. <laughs> I really mm. should play more PS3 games, but at the same time. They're not, they're, there aren't any exclusives out there which are really... I mean, I suppose you can count Flower in this mix as well, in which case it drops to fifth. Oh, wow. <laughs> Endorsement indeed. Yeah. I don't know. Is it? No, I prefer it to Flower, I suppose. I, I like Flower it's sort of in, in, in general, but I just... There was a meatiness to being able to, you know, shoot folks. And that, when I was, you know, just using the knife, there were times, actually, when it was just like my bullets seemed to be doing nothing. So, like, I was shooting people in the face and chest repeatedly, and they were going, uh, 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 and then carrying on. I was like, you know what? I can't kill you and all your mates like that. So I was just changing to the knife and running in there and killing fools. And I just felt like Wolverine in X2 when he goes berserk in the mansion. And it was like, great. I was like, Rah! 
yeah, that, those bits were good, and I, I, I like the general meatiness of it. If you take out the bosses, which I can, if I can divorce them from the game, it makes it better. And if you pretend that the game was, ah, it, we shouldn't have to pretend that the game had good characters. But if Brian Cox was okay, I don't know. I, just, uh, I can't remember a single name of anyone in it. I think my my one was called Sev or Zev or something like that. But, Sev, uh, yeah. Seth, maybe. <laughs> I don't. But it's, it's it's so. I mean. Uh, if you thought the characters in, in Gears of War were, were shallow, wait till you play Killzone 2. So, I don't know. It just made me long for someone like Master Chief that you could really feel, yeah, I'm a, I'm a killing machine. But it uh, looked good. It looked good. It looked, I suppose I was playing on a smaller TV than you. I give it a 7, probably. I'll be generous today. Right. Let's move on to uh, something slightly worse. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot of friends who've been asking me about this one, and I said, wait for the podcast. 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. Now, American rapping now, and this American rapper, Fur Q, is in trouble over his new song, Uzi Lover. During the stage version of the song in the live show, he kills five people on the stage during the stage show, live as it's performed. Tough bitch, tough bitch, mother... I set them on fire with petroleum, and then after about half a minute, um, put a gun in each one's face and pull a trigger. Oozy like a mental dick in my head, magazine like a big testicle gland. Bitch, wanna try it? I said, keep it quiet, shove it up a motherfucker's ass and fry it. You gotta kill people to have respect for people. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I did the bitchin', and she lay twitching. I know that she's a You gotta kill some people anyway. You can't kill everybody. Because um, you wouldn't have anybody left to respect if you did. We got from Giant Bomb win that this was a great fun little game, either either really terrible or just one of the greatest things ever, because it was, you know, Gears of War style game featuring 50 Cent. Uh, the plot is he goes to Iraq, um, you know, I'm sorry, but it's Iraq, and um, he uh, does a gig. And then he needs to get his ten million dollars, but they can't. They won't give him his ten million dollars. They want to give him a crystal skull covered with diamonds. No, it's a, just a regular skull of a beautiful woman covered with diamonds. Uh, and then the skull gets stolen. Yeah, no, the skull, skull, skull gets stolen from his Humvee by a woman. And then Fifty's like, "Yo, get that bitch! Shoot that bitch!" And uh, it just basically continues from there. There's a big shootout. Uh, him and whoever he is with him from the G unit, uh, Tony Yayo. Um, DJ Wu Kid and Herman the Tosser, um, you've got a choice of those three and they can basically, either your mate or a computer control character will come along with you and go, yo 50, hit that ramp yo! And you, you shoot five Iraqis with AK-47s and then you move to the next section and then five Iraqis with AK-47s will turn up at windows at, at various different places you shoot them and then you move on to the next location and you kick some boxes and then some bling comes out and you, you, you pick that up you add it to 50's stash 
and you go to the next room and five Iraqis with AK-47s will come out and shoot at you and you kill them and then you carry on. It's like Kill Zone 2 but less pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's kind of funny for the first level and we were having a laugh and then second level's a, a, a driving level it was uninspiring and you do a ramp and the third level happens. We were doing it on hard because we were like let's, let's really look at the mechanics of this game plus you get more achievements that way and it wasn't too right. hard to begin with. We were playing through it. By the last few levels I had grown so fucking sick of 50 Cent and his stupid idiot bunch of crew, I began to really despair as to all modern culture as to how this game came to be in existence, how this man came to be so popular, how this culture has sifted its way down into human society. Uh, and the last few levels, if you're playing on hard, are rock hard because you just kept getting killed every two seconds. If you're playing on easy, by the way, you should... Um, you can just walk into a hail of bullets and 50's like, uh, fuck you, bitch. And then you can shoot Iraqis with your gun. And, um, yeah, you, you are pretty much bulletproof. If you're playing on hard, you get killed really quickly by the end. And we played and played and played. And around about, uh, yep. 11.30, I was like, man, we really have to finish this one soon. I've got work in the morning. <laughs> um, and I was feeling ill at that point already. And I think it probably didn't help me. <laughs> Tony, speak in defence of 50 Cent. I mean, I can't speak in defence of 50 Cent. I, the idea of what all the reviews have been getting that, and yeah, you have to bring these up. I mean, Edge gave this a 7. John Why? John Bond gave it, a, I don't know, a 3 out of 5. Oh, um, God. But other publications have been giving it a 7s as well. So, I mean, you have to go in it with an open mind. I think we and should have played them, it on normal in all seriousness. I don't yeah. think we got an accurate rendition of the game. Yeah, a lot of people just said, you know, is this stuff fun? And um, if anyone's ever played the club, which I know there's about four people out there that probably have, you it's very similar to that. Um, it's, you know, you get points for, for doing um, multiple kills and, and Macy making up combos and different ones for headshots. Yeah, when the five Iraqis turn up, if you shoot all five of them in under a minute, you get a bonus. Yeah, and there's challenges and there's and there's the taunt button, which basically just shouts profanities out every two seconds to add to the, the your score. But the whole oh, thing... Oh, did that add to the score? I just thought he yeah. was, it was just like a button to make him swear. Uh, adds two points. Your motherfucker, fuck you, bitch. But it gets so tiresome so quickly. I mean, playing on hard, all that really... people are enjoying this. Playing on hard, all it really did show was how actually poor the game design was, such as, you know... Cover doesn't work. When you're behind cover, cover folks can shoot you through the cover in the head and you die. Concrete blocks apparently don't really stop bullets. I mean... Every time you turn the camera around to look behind you, 50 stands up like an idiot and gets shot. So it, as when you get shot, you go down. Your friend doesn't know this. You have to tell him if you're actually playing in co-op. I'm down because it doesn't go red like or, or like go. Oh, Marcus is down like in Gears 2. Basically, just you know you're down, and then after a while you just get back up again. You don't need to be you know gotten to. And he just stands up. And if there's an enemy right in front of him, the enemy can plug him with 700 bullets before he just sort of stands up like the Terminator getting shot. And then it's like, right, you got to move now. You got two seconds. And if it's on hard on the last level, you can't move anyway. You can just go down again. So right. stop, but stop focusing on hard. The ah! game. Is- the game itself is just, you know, it's so formulaic, it's, it then it falls back onto, you know, do you like 50 cent? And if the answer to that is kinda, you're gonna hate this game. If the answer to that is no, 
you, this would probably be your worst game of the year. If the answer to that is yes. There's probably something you enjoy from from this. See, I but don't get to me, that all it the just... stores out there are giving it like sevens and things. Surely they have to accept that you have to like Fifty Cent for that to be a seven. If you hate Fifty Cent, it can't possibly be a seven. That should I think it should people... be just as a game in and of itself. And it is so soaked in his stupid attitude that you you have to accept him or reject him. And the game is goes hand in hand with that. Yeah, I think people were, were so surprised that this was even halfway decent after um, the original 50 Cent. Well, see, that bothers really. me too. It's like it's exactly, like an idiot yeah. being able to run in, the, in sports day. And it's like, oh, well done. You can run forwards. And it's like, you know, give, um, giving him props to just for being able to get through a race at all. I mean, no, don't don't give him <laughs> props for that. Just because he got some dudes to make him a halfway decent game. And it really is only halfway decent. Oh, uh, uh. yeah. Um, I think it has all the like, multiplier mechanics just because then if it didn't have that, it would show you, actually show you how shallow the actual main mechanics of it are. But um, I don't know. I just I really didn't enjoy playing it. I mean, after after like the first you know, level or so, we were having fun because you're playing as 50 Cent and he's cussing and swearing and you know it, it, it's all much fun. Fucking juvenile after, is what After it. level three, you're like, you know what? Is this all you have? It's just one big cuss. Um, you know, session and that's it because the gameplay really doesn't hold up to much and, you know, your music is just, you know, grinding me playing in the background. Nigga, my and gun, end, go off. It's just that over and over again. In the end, I actually, I actually put up on our Twitter feed, well done 50 Cent, you made me hate you and your stupid rap music. <laughs> and, you know, I actually don't mind rap music. I'm okay with it. But, you know, after this, I'm like, Jesus Christ, our generation has gone into a fucking just, you know, meltdown of stupidity if this is the guy that we hold up and go, you know, yay. And so, public enemy to this dude. He is such a douche. Seriously. So, um, three out of ten. Uh, two out of ten. Let's talk about something. It's got to be better than that. You tell me you preferred Watchmen, the film, to Fifty Cent Bulletproof, because <laughs> I don't know anything about what you thought this. I, I've carefully avoided asking you. Well, that you. I mean, you cover it because obviously you know more of the background. In right. Watchmen. Just uh, uh, my uh, this is from a nineteen, I believe, nineteen eighty-six uh, graphic novel uh, written by Alan Moore. I believe it was published serially originally, but it has been become widely known as a graphic novel. It's. It took place, it was written before uh, comics be- became good, really. Basically, this was the, the turning point. This is what made comics good. Shortly after this uh, book was written, The Dark Knight uh, was written by Frank Miller, and basically Batman was completely changed. 
and and taken out of the campy 60s version that he'd been kind of you know presiding in since then and that led to the burton movies but watchmen itself is basically taking the superhero mythos turning it on its head and doing different things with it at least it was back in 1986 it's 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 basically about the responsibility that uh, that masked vigilantes have when they take it upon themselves to rid the world of crime and and ultimately also what ultimate power does to a person and how incredibly distant they become from the human race if they have it there is there's darkness and there is real, real nastiness in this book, and, and it's reflected in the film. It's done in a sort of Sin City 300 way, and obviously the same director as Zack Snyder to 300, um, in that they take the panels and they put them on the screen, and they've done it pretty much word for word. They've taken se- sections out, of, they've taken all of the Black, black Freighter scenes out, um, because uh, that... that that would really kind of that would add huge amounts of time to the story and it works actually they're releasing it as a, a separate movie on uh, blu-ray and i would imagine dvd um basically it covers an alternate 1986 and the history of the 20th century if there were masked vigilantes basically um interacting with um historical events so you get nixon you get kennedy you get the moon landing things like that and all of these things have been affected and touched by these uh, crime fighters and basically then in the 80s they've been made illegal and it's at the height of the cold war the world is about to explode the uh you know under a nuclear arsenal everybody's tense and there's a doomsday clock and it's counting five minutes to midnight, midnight being doomsday. And I'm not going to spoil the uh, end of the movie. Um, it's not as simple as that. Yeah, that's Watchmen. Tony, what did you think of Watchmen? <laughs> as, uh, let's do Tony first because he's not read the book and he's not really into this sort of thing. Yeah. Normally. Uh, and then we'll just do mine from the point of view of someone who hasn't read the book but didn't like the book. Okay, well, I'm coming in obviously completely cold. Um, apart from seeing the trailers, in fact, I had more interaction with the computer, you know, the arcade game before I actually went yeah. to see the film. So, I'm completely going stone cold. And and from that sense, you know, it's a perfectly enjoyable film. Um, I I do feel it has flaws. Um, it it's this gets out of the way. It's two and three quarters hours long. It's so long. That's a long film nowadays. When films seem to be getting shorter, this one seems to be going against the grain and being longer. But what I can say about that, it's two and three quarters an hours long, but it feels like it should be six. Um, there's so much stuff that you can see it's trying to fit into the story, mm. but there's so little stuff going on as well that really makes sense. It's You can see it's a massive opera of stuff, but they're having to cut it around to get it into this film structure because, it, it, like you say, it is basically panels. Now, what um, comic book panels can do, they can go to A to C and not really have to fill in B because people just you know, fill in the blanks amongst themselves and go, uh-huh, okay, good point. that guy. Um, where films, as a, as a technology, isn't that. It has to go from A to B to C because if you just jump between stuff, it gets really, really confusing for your average audience. So I just kind of feel like, because it's having to do that, it drops certain stuff out. I mean, I, I haven't read it, so I don't know if it has dropped stuff out, but it feels like it's a bigger 
opera and it almost feels like it needs to be like a, a mini TV series. It feels like it needs to be six episodes, each one an hour long, that deals with a certain section of this this crime fighting unit. That, that was on the cards, but it wouldn't have had the budget. Yeah, and and I agree. You know, this that wouldn't have happened because you know this has massive production values and also, it's to not get it out the TV way. The audience. It's almost like Killzone in that respect. It looks fantastic. I mean, it's very very well put together visually, but. Kind of like Killzone, it, it seems to be, you know, there was a little something lacking in the actual story itself. Although it, it's a long story, I kind of, I, I never found myself getting, you know, really that invested in any of these characters. I mean, one in particular, who's the guy that looks like Batman? Night Owl. Night Owl. Didn't really understand his story at all. <laughs> I was like, I was, by the end of it, I was like, okay, so we were just here. Um, See, I knew you'd pull the whole I never read the book thing. This is the I'm book. I'm not pulling the Everything never read the in the book is in here. Everything of real importance. There's, they don't explain anything in, more, really, in the book. Everything that was taken out is all metaphor and things. The Tales of the Black Freighter is a nice parallel for what's actually going on in the rest of the book. I mean, it's, it's, it's all that was really been taken out is a few snippets and a bit of window dressing. The, the meat of the story is really in here. I think that okay, people are saying that, well, the flaws with the uh, the uh, film were the flaws with the book. And okay, but if that is the case, then you still should have artistic license to say they were flaws of the book. I mean, Alan Moore isn't actually on board to actually even tell them what they should and shouldn't do with his material. That they should, you know, a bit like Lord of the Rings, they know what to overwrite and what you know what to improvise and add and what not to put in there and what to overwrite. I don't think Zack Snyder's really capable of that at this point. But, I mean, I mean if, if he decided, you know what, I am not going to add anything to this one. I am just going to put it verbatim what was written, what was said, and what was shown. I'm going to put it on the screen, and that's my. But job. you know what? That's fine, but it doesn't necessarily make for a great film. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I say, I did enjoy it, but I, I did feel like, because it has like those two time zones of the, you know, the generation after the generation. And for me, that stuff didn't overly work. Um, I mean, it sort of flashes back to the 60s. and uh, Yeah, you, you obviously you've got the, that girl, the woman with the mother. Um, see, I don't know the <laughs> Silk Spectre and then her mother, the first Silk Spectre. A lot of that stuff, and it just really didn't seem to work. I mean, I, I did like uh, Rorschach. I thought he was fantastic, and they seemed to spend a lot of time working with his backstory, and that I really did appreciate. But this is also one of the, you know, the film that features one of the worst sex scenes I've ever seen. Oh, Christ, that was awful. I was cringing. But I think, if anything, Alan Moore, I don't remember if he had, I think that was in the book. It was, it's been a few months. Um, I, I, but let me just say this. I took three goes to read this book. I started reading it back in 2000. I gave up halfway through because it was like, this is, I can't read this. My main reason being that I had really been into other uh, graphic novels before then, which I think uh, have basically been standing on the shoulders of Watchmen and had dealt with the superhero mythos in a different way and had actually made it a bit more uh, accessible, like Rising Stars and Powers, uh, both of which I can really, really recommend. Um, but th- this was, v- it's very stuffy, it's very cold and aloof, and if, if Alan Moore is anyone, of the characters he's dr manhattan he has no connection with the rest of the human race he is very kind of up on his cloud sort of looking down on us thinking we're just ants to him ultimately and and so that's why i don't think you could really relate to the story and neither could i frankly because he's writing a perspective of someone who doesn't understand human emotion and that is one of the failings of the movie because it's not about people at all really I do like the fact that the film is dark, and I do like the fact that it portrays these superheroes as completely flawed. You know, people that started out as something, you know, they, they wanted to save the world, and ultimately they are human beings, and they're completely flawed. Um, you know, look at the the comedian, for instance. You know, he's a prime example of that. And I do really appreciate it for all that stuff. I just, I just feel like 
there's a lot of flash and not enough substance, but the substance was there given a slightly better um, handle of the material. And I think Zack Snyder's done the best he can. It almost feels like a fanboy's uh, adaptation of it because you can see he's taken each comic book pain and stuck it up almost, on screen. Almost, it is totally a fanboy's adaptation. He's, he's been criticised because he didn't, he didn't make it about anything. He just did exactly what yeah. was there. But it's it, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. He couldn't have done this any other way and made people happy. It's uh, Frankly, I would rather the guys who made The Golden Compass did the Northern Lights and just did it as it was written in the book and did it like that. I mean, ultimately, if they'd done that and made it just word for word, it would have been epic in length. But for God's sake, it would have been about something. There were three main performances in it that I really, really loved. Rorschach, first off. Jackie Earl Haley, I thought was Fantastic. fucking awesome. I've never seen him in anything else before, but I want to see him in other things. He's like a mini Clint Eastwood, isn't he? He's always chewing up his lines like this. Yeah, I mean, he, he could play uh, Spider-Jerusalem in the Transmetropolitan. By the way, I'm going to list my favourite graphic novels that aren't necessarily... Um, movie related uh, on the blog and everyone should check them out but um yeah there, there are some absolute crackers there and and uh you this i've been reading graphic novels for quite a while and i will only recommend the absolute cream of them but check them out um i also really really loved uh the comedian played by jeffrey dean morgan who again i haven't seen anything else but he managed to get an absolutely despicable character and inject him with just a little bit of something that made you think he was human after all of that and I also really, really like Billy Crudup as uh, Dr. Manhattan. Even though he yes. was incredibly aloof the whole time, you you felt Billy Crudup through the performance, even though he was just this glowing dude. Uh, you know what? There's a thing that people keep mentioning about that oh, character. Whatever. No, don't no, even bother. Don't, not even going to mention it, okay? Deal with it. Grow the fuck up, everyone. Observe the digital dong. Check it out. That's right, I'm male. Your dongs are small and useless. I really recommend this film, but I will put the caveat that it is not for Everyone. I keep saying caveat too much. I will not use that I, word next year, next week. I will really recommend this film as well. But the strange thing is I just find myself wanting to see more of it. You know, this elusive director's cut that's meant to be coming out, I believe, are three and a half hours long. Huh? I'm actually really, e- I'm really eager to see it. Really? Yeah, I am. I, I mean, I did enjoy the film. You don't I, I mean, like your buttocks. You want to, you make them so numb that they fall off. No, because, you know, much like the Lord of the Rings um, extended editions, you know, they added so much more to the actual overall, you know, thing. But, you know, to that they were adding to masterpieces to make it even better. Mm. To this, you know, I want I want to know more. I actually want to borrow the comic because I want to know more about these characters. I'll have to buy I just it felt, first. I just felt like the direction in itself was all about the show and there wasn't enough substance that, you know, having seen interviews of Alan Moore, he seems to be just an amazingly intense guy and that he would, would, would have written stuff better than what necessarily some of the performance would allow for it to be on the screen. I'd say some so of I mean, the performances were really shit. I mean, I'm not going to name names in this one, but they know who they are. <laughs> but, but I think I mean, it felt like Melrose Place at times, and ultimately, I think he was he was supposed to be doing all that, 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 and Zack Snyder may have meant it to seem like that. But ultimately, it sticks out like a sore thumb because you're trying to take it seriously, and it's this ridiculous, oh, uh, I, 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 I don't know how to love kind of thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, those two central performances were just uh, really, yeah. Uh. But the actual, so ultimately, but, uh, if I was to give it a, a score, I still would give it a four out of five because I did actually really enjoy it. I wanted more of it. It's just I, a lot of my criticisms, I think it, it, there's a better story to be told, but it ultimately isn't what was delivered in the final product here. And by the sounds of it, 
the, the graphic novel itself deserves somewhat of a better show. I'm going to give it a five out of five. I don't really agree. I think that ultimately when graphic novels are adapted, that should be literally it. I think it should be the Sin City thing. And the graphic novel should be put there on screen and that anything that the director can get from it, if they can't get it out of the panels, if they can't get it out of the, the word, they should just not put anything of themselves in there. Ultimately, all of the best ones, Sin City 300, and I'm going to put Watchmen up there as well, are, are literally all uh, shop for shop, word for word. And they, they, if, yeah, but- if they stop doing it like that, if they start taking liberties, it's going to go fucking mental. And you're going to get, I mean, the, one of the, the original, the, this has been in production for years. It was almost going to come out. And then because the film ends with a disaster in New York City, no real spoilers there. It's, it, you can see it's coming. Um, it, it was just about to be greenlit on September the 10th, 2001. They decided against it in the end. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the, the most recent version before Zack Snyder came on was what Paul Greengrass was working on. It was supposed to be set modern day, and it was supposed to be about the war on terror. That would not have been the Watchmen movie we wanted to see. They've, they've got to stop doing that. They've got to stop going, right, let's make it new and relevant. Just just put the damn thing on screen. Do I, this. This works. I agree with you, but you've got to remember that 300 is a really simple story, hence why style and no substance work fine with it. Sin City managed to hit a better balance of a really interesting story and the style just um, complemented that on top. I honestly don't think Watchmen is in the same league because the story ultimately falls to the wayside of what visually is going on screen, and it needed a slightly better hand to actually control that. I mean, I have nothing against you know Zack Snyder because I really like Three Hundred, um, and I'm he's a really really good director. I just you know I think ultimately what happened here, the story itself should be more visually. Uh, entertaining the actual visuals on screen and it was the other way around he went with that direction yeah. and you know it should be slightly better but i'd like to say still going to see anybody interested in the watchman and anybody of the kind of the fanboys of you know the culture that we love mm. you know I, I still think there's certainly stuff there to be entertained by but it's, it's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination it is important to note it is absolutely chock full of metaphor and there are layers upon layers in this film it seems quite shallow on the surface but there is so much to deconstruct from this and that mainly is down to the text ultimately yeah i think you're right tony it's it's not a very deep adaptation of the film and it's i honestly still would rather it was not any other way i would have liked to have seen a version with good acting from those people (laughs) but uh i don't know maybe that's just how it was but i I would far rather go this route than i don't know picking a name out of the hat electra the, I mean, just regular... Daredevil? Uh, oh, I like Daredevil, but... Um, Better sex scene in Daredevil than that stuff or something. I, I, ultimately, right. it's when peop- when Hollywood takes licenses and goes, right, let's just do what our own thing at this point, and completely screws it up, to the point yeah, where okay, it's, but, there's not going to be another Catwoman movie for fucking ages, because that's surely, so terrible. Surely the Dark Knight is the, the opposite of that. Totally, but that's, that specifically is not... I mean, it's from... The, it's based loosely on the long Halloween, but they they take a lot of liberties and make it work better as a story. Yeah, I don't know. It's, anyway, they, they take it as a jumping off point, but yeah, okay. we can't agree. To, you know, really on this, but you know, ultimately, it, it's still a pretty good. Film. It gets a four and a five. Okay, moving on. Let's just finish off with some letters. We'll have some music first. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. 
Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence Okay, read a mail. Abhishek Das from Australia. I, I love the Good fact. Get, stop it. <laughs> Still reeling from that Cobra comment from several weeks ago. Um, but yeah, no, I love the fact that we're being listened to on several yeah. continents at this point. Uh, shake this man's hand. If he wants to fly us over so we can shake his hand. Okay, Abhishek. I discovered your show through Gamers with Jobs and now I don't miss an episode. One of my top five gaming stop podcasts. It. No. <laughs> Well done, guys. Thank you very much, Abhishek. Thank you very much, mate. That's fantastic. Okay, Stephen Jones. This is regarding Liz's post about being a female gamer. Liz, Tony's wife, is now posting on our blog. Come check her out. Uh, nice post, Liz. Good to hear from the other side. Ugh. I found it interesting to see the parallels and contrasts of your relationship to that of my own with Penguin Girl. I guess it must have been around the same time as I had an N64 2 at the time and the Dreamcast came after we were living together. Uh, that's reference to the fact that, uh, by the sounds of it, you guys and those guys seem to you know, develop along the same lines in terms of getting an N64 and then a Dreamcast and then you got Liz into games and he got Penguin Girl into games. The two PCs and World of Warcraft said it was a huge part of our lives too for a long time. This is spooky. Until we mm. felt it had become too much and we had to unplug from WoW anyway. Again, parallel. Still have two Ps and one and a half laptops. See, they, they've got a whole, you know, half laptop more than you. How do you have half a laptop? Did someone remove <laughs> the screen? Uh, no, they've got a Mac, you see. So they've got one proper laptop and then they've got a Mac, which really is half a computer. And regarding my list of top uh, ten films based on graphic novels, he wrote, uh, Nice list, and there are too many on it I haven't yet seen. And some that I have, and it was so long ago, will be adding to my rather overly large must-watch list. I'm glad that my lists are actually finally beginning to you know, have some impact. And they're probably best off on the blog than on the show, because you know, people maybe, don't, you can't listen to lists. You want to be able to check back them. <laughs> maybe Stephen Jones and me actually run parallel in the universe. Maybe. Maybe it's a Watchmen-like occurrence. Okay, <clears throat> finally, he also asks... Will there slash should there be a time when PS3 slash 360 owners could multiplay the same games? Make the choice of hardware more of an actual choice of hardware? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Not with on the, will this there, platform. No. Will there and should there? Well, <laughs> you know, should there? Of course there should be. We should all be in love with each other and, you know, we should all be playing the same what games. What are you talking about? One network, but will there? Of course not. I don't want to talk to a bunch of mute people who won't talk to me. I want everyone to have a damn headset. Okay, if that's going to happen, everyone's getting a headset as standard. That's the rule. The good thing about all of this always is when you've got different companies all going up against each other, the PlayStation 3 probably wouldn't have the service it has now if it wasn't for the Xbox Xbox 360 pushing um, online game in the way it has Ditto for other kind of stuff. You know, 360 wouldn't be trying to go for the casual market if it wasn't for Sony and wasn't for Nintendo. So you know, they all owe everything to each other, and you know, it, it drives. You know, choice is good, I guess. But um, yeah, it's not going to happen. No, a perfect game on that, for example, would be Call of Duty 4, because ultimately they run exactly the same, and there's no real reason why the server shouldn't match up. But it's so complicated, and, and who benefits from this one, really? I mean, ultimately, you've just got a whole huge heap of extra people that you've got lag issues with, and there'd be so many things attached to this one. And oh no, how would the well, gamer points and and things be partitioned? Yeah. Oh, and, sorry, well, Steve, that, even, that ain't happening. 
Microsoft even tried to do it with their games for Windows, you know, cross-platform play with PCs, That's but then, then, well, then they had to kind of handicap PCs because obviously your mouse and keyboard, you, you are going to be more precise. Um, and Shadowrun was the outcome of that, and that lasted all of about oh, two seconds. It was and It went. And the team got disbanded, so that tells you how great that project went. So, um, no, it's not going to happen. Right, Matthew Byatt, again, posted on our Facebook page on a thread about possible topics for the show. A massive list, which we won't read in its entirety here, but you can go check it out on our Facebook page. Some choice tidbits included. This is topics for the show. Why more games are not set in Africa... Resident Evil 5? Yeah, Resident Evil 5, Far Cry 2. How many Africa? How many games do you want set in Africa? <laughs> An N64 episode, that's coming up. We will do one of them, we promise. An episode on women in gaming, that's a good one. I like that one. An episode on PC gaming, oh, it's a minefield. Mm. I think we'll probably get on a PC gaming specialist for that one. Probably a good idea. An episode where you talk about anything but Rock Band 2, I think we managed pretty well in this one. An episode on the popular oh, percent. By the way, yep. I played Rock Band 2 this week. Yeah, me too, I played, yeah. It was Kids Aren't All Right. Oh, song. so close. An episode on the popular perception of a gamer. I've what? So we just come on and say, right? So he's spotty. He never leaves his bedroom. <laughs> that's actually an interesting topic. Yeah, I think that's that is yeah because also it is changing, but at the same time, it's really still quite disparaging. You like you tell your friends at work, oh, I'm going to go home and play rock band. They're like, oh, you should really go out more. I'm like, oh, fuck off. Right. An episode on the most shocking gaming moments. I don't think we could do that because of spoilers. I mean, ultimately, what would say? Eris dies. Oh, spoiler warning. She does? Uh, it's We could do it, but it would really be not... Uh, I, I think it would devalue a hell of a lot of games. We, we could say, play these games, there's a great twist in them, or a great shocking gaming moment. But even that, it's like you'd be playing it, leaning into it. So I think we'd probably want to keep those to ourselves. But a good idea. But um, it would probably be better off in a discussion with people you know, actual friends and go, well, well do you, have you played this game? If you, you're all sort of agreeing not to spoil them, you know, under those circumstances. A third Room 101 episode, I think we'll probably do one of them. That's Always where we fun. throw the things that we hate into Room 101. Uh, an episode of games on... <laughs> an episode of games in the news and media. Hmm. So, what, Mass Effect? Grand Theft Auto, yeah. Just, I mean, what, you know, the, the, the whole brouhaha that everyone makes about it. And then, of course, there's the positive ones, like we Fit and we Sports and Nintendogs. An episode where we hear Paul and he gets back singing a song in SingStar. I'd like to Don't do. wish too hard. It <laughs> <may> happen. <laughs> An episode where you do a video podcast, but you're dressed up as your favourite video game characters, and through your acting talent, we as the audience has to figure out what piece of news you're trying to say. This is both mental and not going to happen. Um, well, we are considering a, a doing a video podcast yeah. of some sort, um, but nothing. I am not dressing up as Mario. Uh, Master Chief, if anyone has a suit, I'll be happy to do that. I was actually spitballing an idea for a Digital Cowboys film last year, whereby we did actually dress up as video game characters. But um, it was going to be astronomically difficult to film. <laughs> And expensive. Yeah. At least £50. Yeah, 50, 60, maybe 70. Mm. I bought all the guns so we could do a Resident Evil podcast. Okay, right. This is is a final letter from Ryan Ash. Would we be able to move and shoot? Nope, we'd have to stop. Be a turret. (laughs) Okay, this is from Ryan Astley regarding last week's episode. Good podcast again, guys. Cruel bosses have littered the last two Ninja Guide endgames, so you're the one who plays it. 
Every boss was cruel and ridiculously hard to beat. The good thing was that once you'd beaten them, you felt more of a man. You should have seen me after I'd finished Ninja Gaiden 1 on the Xbox. It took me over two years of going away and coming back to it. <laughs> Beating that last boss felt like getting a black belt. Right. I do see what you mean. I do see that basically if you, if you beat a really tough boss, you feel fantastic. However... At the end of Killzone 2, I was just like, boom, dead, right, okay, can I finish this one now? I did not feel a man, I just felt that I had won by more luck or a war of attrition. It did not make me feel like a man. So it, it's it's entirely, I don't know, when I beat M. Bison when I was a kid, I think I felt like a man, even though I wasn't a man at the time. Um, when I, I don't know, it <laughs> depends on the boss, really. Okay. Now, Ryan's the one who suggested we talk about education in the gaming industry, so I've sent him a a letter. Get in touch with us, Ryan. You can come on the show and discuss that firsthand. um, Because, ultimately, it's something that we don't know about. And, to be honest, it's something I haven't really heard on podcasts, a proper game developer really coming in and just saying, what is it like coding a game? Because... You know, we play these things. We you know we criticize them, see bullet, you know, fifty cent. Um, but ultimately, we don't know the day in and day out of trying to code something and it looking like rubbish yeah. or just a basic wireframe of it looking like what it is, and then the you know the success of seeing it go through that. So, and I've got plenty so of much to ask about just just video games education because I think mm. I don't know. Wistfully in the back of my mind, I would really genuinely like to actually do something like that. But I've got a family to support, and I'm nearly thirty years old. I think it's too late for me. I don't know. Uh, I don't really want to get into the actual production of video games, at least not yet. I'd really rather write about them for, for you know quite a while first and keep myself acquainted with it. It's, it's obviously it's a possibility in the back of my mind. I'd love to make a video game, but uh, I think I, I kind of need to know more about the industry more at the moment, and writing is the best outlet for that. Anyway, <clears throat> if you would like to contact Alex to uh, you know give him a writing contract, you can contact us on... <laughs> DigitalCowboys at GoogleMail.com. Send all of your contracts to me. Uh, or you can leave a message on our blog at digitalcowboys.libsyn.com. Uh, check out our Facebook page and become a fan. You can also check out our Twitter feed. Uh, and leave us a review and a star rating on iTunes. Twitter is horribly addictive. Yeah, I love Twitter. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, right, we have a confirmed applicant for our planned game night. Jeff Merlehan, a.k.a. Jazzy Jeff, who I only just finished playing Street Fighter 4 with earlier tonight. He actually he put up a good fight. He was all right. He was good. He's been playing it since the SNES when he was seven which made me feel old. He'll be the first of many, we hope. Uh, we're going to uh, have it on a Sunday in a few weeks' time, and the games of choice at the moment are Gears of War 2 and Halo 3, with Tony and I as opposing team captains. Anybody else who wants to be part of that, write in let us know. Also, if you specifically want to be on the Suicide Squad that will comprise of my team, anybody going up against Tony, then let us know that that's your preference. Wow, my head is just that big, is it? <laughs> really? Is it going to fit through the door after we've done this show? Seriously, we're going to have to have everyone who's good at games on my team to, to counteract the awesome drag factor of me versus everyone. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're going to have to basically get the guys who've only got one hand. Well, I think that'll just about do it for this week's show. Uh, I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Tony Atkins. We're going to finish on some music from Watchmen, and we will see you next week. Happy trails. Happy trails.